We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 WGC Workday Championship at The Concession. DraftKings picks and preview. Maybe some Puerto Rico talk towards the end, too. If you want to play in the Listener's League, it is almost full, so I suggest you head to the description and get your spot right now. Even if you just reserve the spot, don't pick your team. You'll want to get that entry. Three max entry, $15 to play, no rake, making it the best tournament on DraftKings. Trademark by Pat Mayo. Not really a trademark, by the way. Also, FantasyNational.com, where we're pulling our stats, our ownership from this week. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo. All the tools you need, all the stats that you need. Use the discount with the slash Mayo at the end. You can get it for like seven bucks a week or something like that. Uh, If you play more than 10 bucks a week, probably something you should invest yourself into. And if you want a bigger breakdown of the European players in this field and all of the international players, check out Mayo Media Network later on on Tuesday. Sky and Tom are back. There's no Euro event this week, so they're just going to be talking about the Euros in the field at the WGC, so a deeper dive on those guys on that show. You can find that up video-wise on Mayo Media Network on Tuesday evening and on Daily Fantasy Sports picks and bets the mix audio podcast which you can find in the description of this video and podcast right now if you prefer to listen to it that way i also have my one and done breakdown for the wgc up on that feed as well joining me from DraftKings, what's going on jeff ulrich i'm doing good pad yeah man i mean i look i swear to god i was gonna tell you this before the show every time you have me on every time you contact me on like a sunday and you're like hey you want to come on the show I end up hitting a winner. Like, so, I mean, like, like last week with Max Homa, it's the same thing. He contacted me like Sunday morning. Max Homa breaks through. So, I mean, I, I'm very happy to be here. 
Um, got the little mail bump. It's like the pre-mail bump with me. Next this next week will probably suck for me, but last week was good. Well, you yeah, I guess you get the benefit of the uh, the, the Pat Mayo pre-come in terms of your betting, and then Raza gets the opposite boost. It's always like, oh yeah, I won 200k this weekend after being on the show. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, oh great, thanks. Yeah. Can I have some? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can we get a little bump into the production value here from you, Ben? But uh, yeah, ben, ben Ben brings in the big money, but uh, I just I just get the little little 60, 60 to one winners, but we'll take it. Hey, sixty to one winners is listen. After my no winners, uh, I would take the sixty to one winner. I'm not going to lie to you. Let's talk about the course, the concession. It's a Jack Nicholas design, par 72, 7,400 yards plus. So it's a lengthier one. There's a full complement of par fives, although. Depending on who you talk to, uh, Jack Nicholas says that one is not reachable, one is reachable, and then another two could be reachable if the wind is at your back. So I'm going to take his word for it over like people just randomly speculating. I mean, we all have to kind of pick a lane. That's one of the shitty parts, but also one of the fun parts about coming to a new course that we've never really seen at a professional level before is that you can kind of pick your lane. If you want to go full bombers and think that these guys are going to take huge advantage of this course, you are full free to do that in a no-cut event, especially at the bottom, because you can find those people down there. If you want to say, you know what? I don't think it's going to be a pure bombers course. It's going to be like wedges and like shorter irons and putting. You can really construct your teams that way. What lean are you getting from this? Because I'm sort of on team wedge here. Really? Okay. I'm, I'm on I'm on the opposite. I, I think this is kind of like a big modern golf course. And when I've looked at it from from a couple different angles, and like you said, I mean, I'm just some some hobo on the street trying to figure things out. I'm not I'm not involved in the design process or a professional golfer who's played it before, but it does remind me of of places like Copperhead and maybe even the old Doral um, venue where um, you know you just had bigger fairways, you had carries over water, but you had longer holes. You had you have like tough par fives where I feel like with some of these landing areas, the the bombers are going to be able to to kind of take advantage and, and, and make some pretty big carries reminds me a little bit of Bay Hill too. I think it's just like a traditional tough Florida course. And I, again, I don't necessarily think that it's all driving distance, but really strong tee to green, um, you know, good off the tee and good on approach. I, I think you're going to need. So I, I'm more of the, I guess I'm a little bit more of the bomber approach. I, I call it more of just like the really solid strokes gained off the tee guys than just pure bombers, but that's the way I'm leaning. I think it's going to play a little bit tough. I think these longer par fives are going to be tougher for the, the guys who are more just wedge players and wedge and putter players. So that's where I'm leaning right now. But maybe if the wind doesn't get up, it looks like it's going to be pretty solid weather. It may play more towards uh, what you're leaning to. I, yeah, I'm sort of at a crossroads of what I want to do with this. And I'm not just you know, crossing off players by any means, depending on what the skill set exactly. is. But yeah. I think I think you kind of hit on it. If you do think that it plays tougher, which we don't know, it could play super easy. No, totally. <laughs> it could be like minus 24 or something like that. Then exactly. you know, you know, who, who has the hottest irons and putters going to end up winning? But if it is a bit tougher, then you're going to need like a sprinkle of around the green game as well to save yourself, especially out of the sand, because there's this place is just riddled with bunkers everywhere. And you yeah. mentioned all the waters. So you're going to see some big scores on some certain holes. So at least not necessarily like driving accuracy, but ability to control your tee balls, I think is going to be pretty important this week as well. It just, it seems like we're getting a discount on all of the non bombers this week. And I found that not necessarily surprising because that's, kind of how it is every single week but when you get into like your reeds or your webs or even morikawas or sung jays those guys seem to be way down the list versus you know equivalent talent um or less accomplished players for that matter uh, are just more expensive and have higher odds yeah it's true i mean you could even keep going down like why is harris english 7500 you know joaquin neiman pretty pretty solid value as well so 
Um, guys like Webb and, and, and probably Reed too. The, the, I, th- I think that most people will probably go with the narrative of, oh, okay, I mean, you know, it's a bit of a longer course, the par 72, the four par fives. So those guys stick out as, as some of the best values on the board. I, I 100% agree. And I mean, again, when, when you get down to certain ranges, like, I mean, obviously I, I like the prototypical kind of player who's a little bit bigger off the tee, like a, like a Rory or something. But, you know, I mean, when, when Harris English is like that cheap or, or Neiman's that cheap, doesn't really matter. Like, I mean, they're just the better players in that range. So you should play them. And I think Webb sort of falls into that category. I think you can make a better case for fade in because the AK range is pretty strong with guys like him down there, but um, it, it, it's a good point. You're, you're probably going to get lower ownership on them as well. So definitely an interesting week. Uh, I, I like the fact it's a new course. I think Jack Nicholas designs too. The other reason why I, I would lean towards it t- being tougher scoring. I mean, we see the Jack Nicholas designs on tour, PJ national Muirfield, they're typically not easy. Like, the, you know, Jack Nichols obviously uh, knows how to design a golf course, make it challenging for the players, especially the modern players. So I expect a bit of a tougher week, but, um, you know, again, it's a new course. I mean, it, the greens could be really soft. They could just start firing wedges, like you said, and it can turn into a putting contest. So the reason that I really wanted to hammer down on wedge play in particular is because if let's say that these par fives are not reachable into at least three of them, that means your third shot is going to be a wedge into the screen to generate yeah. a scoring opportunity. Then you have these two short par fours that one of them seems like it could be drivable, but I doubt most of the field is going to go for it. So that leaves two par fours where it's going to be hit it to your preferred wedge number and just try to stick it to two feet and go tap it in. So it seems like there's five holes like that that will probably be five of the easier holes on the course where you need to make birdies. And I feel like that's your best path to make birdie. Yeah, absolutely. It could play like that, like I said. Um, and, you know, further to that point, there are five par fours on this course where they fall between 400 and, and 450 yards. So even if the Bombers are able to take some carries, I mean, guys like Bryson could end up having wedge into like every hole, right? So it, it, it could be a blend of, of like uh, wedge play and, and, and driving distance. Maybe that does like lead more to my point of, of you should be targeting the, the guys with big drivers, because I, I do feel like some of those par fours they're they're going to have a distinct advantage on, but um, wedge play could, could definitely end up being important too. Uh, if the par fives end up playing like that and, and like Jack thinks they're going to play. So um, I'm still the, the opinion, like, you know, I'll, I'll be targeting more, off the tee play and, and, and tee to green, but um, looking at, at players, maybe maybe with both, right? Like with good off the tee play and good wedge plays is the real key. Um, you know, maybe it uh, it leads itself to a Bryson week uh, now, now that we've kind of dissected it in that regard. But um, yeah, I, I see your point about the wedges. And, and like I said, the setup, there's not a ton of long par fours, a couple short ones, and then there's the bunch that fall in between, so. Well, if we talk about the 10K range and talk about the guys that are both good off the tee and with their wedges, you have DJ and Rom 1-2, who are the guys for that, realistically. 11-6 and 11-1, then it's Xander, Thomas, Rory, and Cantlay. Bryson does not make the cut of the 10K level. He's at 9-9 this week. Also, he's Tim's one-and-done pick, so that's never a good sign. Uh, although I think Tim has hit the winner at this particular event like two of the past four years or something like that because he always takes oh, one okay. of the... Well, he it's smart to do in a WGC because... You know, there, it seems like there's only a certain shelf life of players who can actually win this event. So it's one of the events where you want to burn one of your very top end guys, I, I think. And it's, oh, not like the, and it's not like the prize pool is small. It's huge. So you know, Bryson yeah. winning this week or Bryson coming second at the Masters or even first at the Masters. If he wins both events and you take him in one, there's not like a huge difference between the two. No, absolutely. I mean, look, th- this event has been 
it's been dominated by the top players. I mean, you know, going all the way back to like, you know, the, the two thousands or whatever. I mean, Tigers won this seven times, Phil twice, DJ Dustin three times. It, it just, it's, there's, there's no, you look at the list of winners going back and like the, the most long shot winners like Jeff Ogilvy or something like that when he was good. So um, this is not a week where you want to go dipping down and being like, yeah, let's, let's put Bezadenhout in my one and done or something like that. Um, you definitely want to burn a top player. Um, this is, uh, you know, there's more prize money up for grabs too. This has just been the one that it feels like the top players kind of get up for early in the season too. You know, the guys who skip most of the West coast swing, take it more seriously. The guys who were in form from the West coast swing come in here in good form and they all kind of just go at it. So yeah, absolutely. For one and done, I'm burning a big player too. The big thing for me, as it pertains to DraftKings lineup construction, like I might only play a max of five lineups. I've only made three so far, uh, the three for my tournament. And I'll probably just enter those across like single entries and that kind of thing. Uh, I, just, I, I don't ever really feel all that comfortable, especially not knowing what's going on. It's a no cut event and just stuff changes on a dime. Like you'll be up like 5,000 bucks. Like man, there's three holes to go. And then all of a sudden you're out of the money because that's, it, it's yeah. a no. So, so, not withdraws or something. Yeah. Like someone on the backside of the course, who's like 6,300, just, you know, he makes an yeah. albatross. And then all of a sudden, like that's so impactful on this particular event that only has 72 players in it that you're just screwed all of a sudden. So there's a, a larger degree of luck that goes into an event like this versus the amount of luck that you need. You need a ton of luck anyway week to week uh, on PGA DraftKings but in these no cut events everything really needs to break your way so I'm not really concerned about ownership this week I'm just going to leave like two three hundred bucks on the table and that's going to be fine yeah I, I like that strategy for WGCs too this is definitely a week where for construction I think leaving money on the table is, is always a good thing to do and and realistically these fields are deeper right so we have more elite talent to choose from at the, at the back at the back end I mean you know when you're talking about pivots I mean Ryan Palmer versus Shane Lowry or like, you know, th like these guys are, there's just not that much difference. I mean, Palmer may be up in the world rankings or whatever, but you know, you've got longer term, better players that you can pivot to here too. So um, definitely don't mind that strategy at all. And I think at the top, you know, there, there might be a, a couple opportunities for, for guys who are, who are going a little bit lower owned, uh, you know, Rory and Thomas kind of falling in maybe a bit of a dead zone, but I'm still expecting fairly flat ownership. You know, there's no, there's no huge deals like Bryson coming off a miscut. I know he's under 10 K, but how popular is he going to be coming off a miscut? I'm not sure. Uh, I guess we'll find out. Cantley's priced up a bit now, so he's playing great, but um, I, I like the strategy for sure that you can always guarantee or virtually guarantee yourself a, uh, a unique lineup by leaving three or $400 out in, in, in these uh, limited fields events. And, and it just, it, it gives you like a little bit, it's just easier, quite frankly, because you do that and then you don't have to worry about, like you said, oh, well, my ownership is way up now. Now I got to go back and, and fix things. Just just put your salary cap at like $400 less and, and make whatever lineup you want. Well, by and large, ownership projections for this type of field are extremely difficult. Like the, the over-under, like on each side, the margin of error on the projections is like five percentage points either way. Only because everyone can afford to own all of these guys, you could afford to own two of them if you really wanted to, because guys aren't going to miss the cut. You can gamble on the very bottom end. I don't feel like that strategy works out all of the time. Like you need the the 
three particular players in the 6K region who play well, if there are three who end up playing well by the end of the week. And just nailing that is so much harder than trying to figure it out, I think, a bit more long-term. So it's not really going to be stars and scrubs for me. The only guy that I'm playing right now above $10,000 is Justin Thomas. I went over him on the Monday show with Jeff. I bet him at 20 to 1. Uh, and that particular place, he's now down to 18 to 1. So we'll see how that goes. He's 18 on DraftKings Sportsbook as well. But like he so rarely plays back-to-back bad events. In the past, I think it's three instances that he lost strokes to the field in the overall course of an event. He hasn't finished worse than T6 in his next start. Most of his career, of his career, 13 wins have come at no-cut events. And then you can throw in two more of the FedEx Cup playoffs that are limited field events like this one, and you start accounting for, oh, man, he just tends to play well. And the biggest thing with him is, generally speaking, like you know he's going to have his bad putting day. You know he's going to have his one bad round. But in a no-cut event, if it happens on Thursday, it's not really that big of a deal because he probably has the lowest score potential out of any of these guys that he can just kind of rebound on a Saturday and you know, beat the field by four strokes, and all of a sudden he's back into it. So I think that you're going to see... I don't think you're going to get an ownership discount on him only because I think a lot of people are seeing what I'm seeing when it comes to Justin Thomas. Maybe they're scared off a little bit, but I like him the best of the 10K-plus players. If I had to pick another one, weirdly, I think it would be Cantlay, who just crushes Nicholas Courses. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm just trying to see where Thomas is here in my projections. I don't even know. Actually, it looks like you might. I mean, we might get Thomas at, at a pretty good ownership projection here. Um, yeah, de- decent, you know. Um, but I'm I'm of the opinion, Thomas, it is crazy to see him at 20 to 1 again. Like when you see Justin Thomas at 20 to 1, you should probably just hammer it every time. Absolutely, I'm in agreement. Um, he, he did regress a little bit with the ball striking of Phoenix and I just worry, maybe this is more just me just like putting this stuff in my own head or whatever, reading too much into the situation, but dude's had a tough start to the year. Like the off the, the on the course, off the course stuff at, at the tournament of champions, he took some time off, lost sponsors, whatever. And then, you know, the, obviously the dealing with his loss of his grandpa is a big deal. You know, that that's terrible to go through. It just feels like it's starting to seep into his game a little bit. And I do like him for no cut events. You're, you're, you're spot on with the fact that like, you know, when you get four rounds of Justin Thomas, he can go 72, 61. Like that, that's what he does. Right. So I think at lower ownership, he makes for maybe a better DraftKings play. I'm not going to take him in the outright department just because I really do feel like he's going through just a bit of a low spot right now, maybe mentally and, and, uh, and physically on the course, but it wouldn't shock me to see him bounce back with at least like a good round or two here because he just doesn't play poorly for very long. And um, you know, with the four rounds guaranteed here, it's a safe spot to, to go with him for, for a GPP and uh, it does look like he's trending and a little bit lower in the ownership. Although, like you said, the, the ownership projections for this event can be tricky. So I'm in, I'm in as Justin Thomas as more of like a, a, a GPP play. Maybe you want to go field or maybe just above field average if I was making a ton of lineups, but I'm not really that into him this week, to be honest. Um, definitely agree on Cantlay. I, I'm, I'm really big on Cantlay for the future here. I, I think he's, he's going to be, I think he's going to be in contention uh, for the next couple big events and maybe even for this one this week. Cause like you said, the Nicholas course correlation, it's, it's a thing. And, uh, and he's playing extremely well across the board, but for, for Thomas, I'm, I'm more of the, the opinion. I'd, I'd rather go to Rory or, or, um, or even down to Bryson. Uh, I, I think Rory is, you know, coming off that miscut, the, the little extra time to get ready. He's, he's played extremely well in Florida over his career. I think that the change in scenery is going to do Rory uh, good things here. 
Do you have any interest? And I know we're trying to limit our options here. It's a you can't play everyone type of thing. You really want to be particular, especially at an event like this. Yeah. But DJ Rom Xander, like Xander's done well in no cut events. I mean, three of his four wins have come in that sort of format. He's won a WGC as well. And obviously Dustin has like the history of winning WGCs. And then you have Rom in the exact same spot. Like, do you have a preference between those guys? Because I, I just don't see myself paying up that much. Like even getting the $300 discount from Thomas up to Xander, I think is huge. Yeah. And I definitely agree on Xander. The the, the approach I've taken with, with like Xander and, and Rory is, I'm just going to play the guy who's like down a little bit in the odds. Like last week I, I tried to, you know, I put a little outright on Xander. His odds were back up to like 1600, which is massive for Xander these days. And uh, you know, his price, his DK price was down a little bit. It was okay from a DK perspective, but now his, his odds are back up. Like he's, he's a little bit big, smaller than Rory in the odds and, and he's bigger on DraftKings. I'd rather just pay down. Um, you know, both these guys seem to be trying to just treading water, looking for that breakthrough and, and I'll take a shot with Rory here at, at, at slightly, uh, you know, lesser salary. And I, look, you're on Thomas. That that's fine. I think Thomas can, is is the same kind of deal. I mean, if Thomas is ever going to be lesser or bigger in the odds and, and lesser on DraftKings than, than Xander, I'll, I'll probably just play Thomas. Um, this week it's going to be Rory for me. But uh, as far as Xander goes, I don't really want to get off him, but I don't really want to pay ten eight for him when Rom is there at eleven one or even just getting up to to DJ. I mean, I'll just play those guys. I, I think DJ is, is the anchor you probably want to use for, for cash games and such. And, and even just going all in on him, you know, at this course is, is a fine idea too. But um, Xander's kind of in that dead zone for me. And, and I'm kind of going Rory over Thomas. Uh, and, you know, in, instead of using Thomas and Shoffley, I'm basically going up to, to Rom or DJ, or I'd, I'd start down with, with McElroy. So that's kind of where I'm leaning. Um, Xander is going to be kind of a no Xander week for me, although I, I fully understand. I mean, the guy's got a fantastic short game these days. Uh, if he gets the wedges going, you know, it, it could be a big week, but um, I'm probably going to be out on him. Well, I mean, the finishes have been amazing. His 15th at the Genesis was his first non-top five yeah. <laughs> of 2021. It's, it's sick, right? But, like, but there's so much value in him during... It's funny because three of his four wins have come at no-cut events, but his real value has been in these cut events because he's just safe. He makes the cut every time. Yeah, yeah. like last week. It's exactly like last week. If you played him over all those other guys, I mean, you, you still had a good week or you could, you could have had a good week. You could have won, you could have won last week with Xander exactly. in your lineup. Uh, I, I guess, cause I use Thomas and I use Bryson. Uh, that did not work out whatsoever. That was bad, bad news, Jeff, uh, from the, I, I I've <laughs> never, I, I, I went over my $200 review lineup and I think I played Bubba in that one, but I had a four of six and the two guys that missed the cut were my two good guys. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's the kind of week it was, right? Like you need to nail the guys, like like Wyndham Clark and people. Last I, week, I, so. I had Wyndham Clark. <laughs> I mean that. I mean that makes it even more frustrating. But um, yeah, as far as Xander goes, I think I think you're right on, on this in this type of event. I, that, that's why I keep bringing up Rory and, and like Bryson. I would rather go for the gusto. Like you need the winner here, so I feel like the upside is still better with Rory and, and Bryson. Like they're still the better upside plays compared to Xander. Xander's great for, for treading water. He's playing so consistent just across the board, but I'll take that upside with, with guys like Rory and Bryson this week. Um, you get a little bit of a discount. The ownership's not going to be huge on either one of those guys, I don't think. And, um, you know, realistically, they're just, I just think there's, there's a better chance those guys come in and blow the doors off versus Xander probably just giving you like another good finish, but a good finish in a WGC event for DFS it's not going to do it. You, you need the winner this week among these guys. And I think Rory Bryson have a better shot at that. Weirdly as well, Xander, outside of 
competing in the Players' Championship rarely plays in Florida. Like, he never plays Bay Hill. He never plays Valspar. It it never plays Honda. It just seems to be Sawgrass, and that's it. And he has a just really mixed bag track record there. And a lot of that has to do with water being in play so much that you can just eject out of nowhere. But he has a second-place finish there. He he also has a miscut from the last time that we actually saw the Players' Championship happen. So it's kind of weird. It is kind of weird. And, again, it kind of comes back to my main point, like, you know, you look at guys like uh, McElroy, DeChambeau, even even Rom and, and Dustin. You know, it, you throw Xander into that mix. Like, who's the worst guy off the tee there? It's it's Xander. Like he he sprays it the most. Uh, he he can be very good off the tee too. He's he's still elite with his driver compared to the the rest of the tour. But you know, you throw him in with Dustin, Rom, Rory, Bryson. Like he he's last in there off the tee. So if anyone's going to get in trouble off the tee, it could definitely be him here. Um, like I said, it all kind of leads me to thinking uh this is probably a good week to get off him he did play bay hill last year he was 24th at the arnold palmer invitational during that like really weird wind week when hatton ended up winning but uh the the last normal week of the yeah i suppose that's true but i guess the concern that you bring up uh, if you were just going to point to like hey if we have to nitpick between these guys what is it you mentioned the driving for xander uh, that would be the one huge drawback on jt is that he is by far the worst driver out of all these guys yeah, and JT, that's right. Uh, and he's, at the flag, actually, but but he's not a bad like, driver. He's just not the no, elite driver like the rest of them. Exactly right. That's why I didn't include him with the other guys because I wouldn't even put him in in like uh, you know he would he would have been clearly last with when you include him with Dustin, Rom, Rory, and Bryson, right? So, but yeah, he would fall in kind of the category of Shoffley. Doesn't have as good control off the tee. Could get in a little bit more trouble, but but still able to win. I mean, if the wind isn't up, I mean, he's won at the Honda classic before. So JT can certainly get it going. I would rather take a shot with JT, even though, like I said, not really my bag of, of for this week over Shoffley. Cause I, I still think the upside is better with JT, but I'm, I'm just going right. We'll get back to the show in a second, but I want to tell you that support for the Pat Mayo experience is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below the waist grooming. And there's big news. Manscaped just released their new cologne scent to help you feel good and smell good all over and at all times. Who knew smelling so good can keep you feeling this good too? Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. So join the movement for all your below the waist grooming needs. So have you ever been to the gym in post-workout? You come out of the shower, everyone's getting back in their normal clothes, and you see one jabroni just dose himself with a bunch of aerosol spray, thinking it's going to make him smell good? I've seen it. It doesn't smell good. It's a terrible play. What you need to do is use the new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. And don't use the whole bottle on yourself. You don't need to bathe in it. Just a spritz. That's all you need. Calming and inviting. This signature scent introduces a light citrus burst before settling into the anchoring notes of a woodsy, masculine finish. You know one thing about Pat Mayo. It's a masculine finish, right? The 50 milliliter cologne is cruelty-free, dye-free, and vegan, 100%. So you're covered on all bases. And as always, be sure to check out the Perfect Package 3.0 with all the essentials for your below-the-waist grooming needs, including the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer and crop formulations. Yes, I'm talking about some ball toner as well. And you can use the new Manscaped Refined Cologne to complete your set and smell great anytime, anywhere. Time to feel sexy, fellas. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code MAYO at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code MAYO. Look good, smell good, feel good with Manscaped. Back to the show. Let's drop down to the 9K level. We talked about big, beefy Bryson, 9-9. 
Tony Finau, Tyrrell Hatton for the first time in America this year, Brooks Kepka, Victor Hovland, Daniel Berger, Patrick Reed, Webb Simpson, and Colin Morikawa. That is the entire range of the 9Ks. And again, it's not that I don't like the Brysons and Finaus of the world. I do like Hatton a bit, but I think with the way that I want to construct lineups here and try to garner as much win equity from down in this range as possible, and maybe by not playing Rom and DJ, who definitely have the most in this field, that I'm really giving a lot up at that top end and I'm not cobbling it together well enough. That's definitely a possibility. But 93, 92, 91, 9,000, Berger, Reed, Simpson, Morikawa. I can just play lineups with those four guys. I think there's two approaches and I definitely see that. Like, you know, I, I think burger down there is kind of interesting. You know, more account, I, I admit like these guys are, there's not that big difference, but I'm kind of the opinion, like other than Bryson, who I definitely want a piece of this week, I'm almost okay. Just skipping the entire nine K region. I'm not going to lie. I feel um, like these I, guys, I feel like these guys are a cut above of the next tier down. Like if we're going to be talking about web versus, Cam Smith or Patrick Reed versus Max Homa. I know he just won, but that seems like a yeah. big line to me between who can win this tournament and who probably won't. You're, I mean, you're not, you're not wrong with like guys like Cam Smith, but I, I would argue like Sanjay's down there. I, 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 I like, Su- I like Sanjay a lot. I think you can add yeah. Sanjay into the mix of these guys. And that's right. the way that I've built my lineup so far, but Thank those you. five guys in particular, and then I basically yeah. have no one until the low seven thousands. Yeah. Like I said, I think there's definitely two ways to go about it. I I I can see the value in just building in this 9K range too. I mean, Kepka at 9,500, still getting discount on Kepka for whatever reason. I mean, coming off a win, you'd figure he'd be up there with like Rory or something, right? So I see why people are excited and people are excited about his betting price. Um, definitely uh, understand that. Um, you know, Kepka might be one of those ones where I just fade. It's a water course. Has he ever really done well in Florida? I don't know, but um, Honda. Uh, yeah, I guess he's played well at the Honda before. Um, you know, the other guys, Berger, I, I definitely am, am interested in. I, I may have a piece of him. But like Reed Simpson, you know, even Colin Morikawa has played okay. Morikawa might be the guy I get a piece of there. But um, I'm, I'm okay fading these guys. Again, if, if I feel like it's going to be like a more of an off-the-tee week where, you know, you're going to need guys making these carries and stuff like that, and it's going to give them a bit of an edge. I'm okay fading Reed and Simpson. That's just the way I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it. It's the way I'm gonna roll and uh, gonna make my call, and and I'll I'll live or die with it. And I may be very dead wrong because you're getting really good value on Webb Simpson, but um, I'm okay going down to like the better driver with with Sanjay, the better driver with Scotty Scheffler, and uh, and and pretty much almost fading this entire region. Um, like I said, Berger I think is interesting. He's a Florida dude. Obviously, he's playing really well. We know coming off the win. I think 9,300, it's a really good price, but uh, I, I'm, I'm probably going to be team fade here. I, I want to stack the, a couple of the top guys. Maybe it's Bryson and Rory, maybe it's Dustin and Bryson or something like that. And then I want to go down. I, I want to use the AK range and, and, and below. And I think that uh, I'll be out on most of these guys, to be honest. And I think that's where picking your lane this week of how you think this course is going to play out really makes a difference because all of the guys 100%. that I mentioned yeah. fit primarily into what I think is going to happen here. It's going to be a second shot course, a short iron course. Can you get up? I mean, Morikawa doesn't really fit that, but he is, I mean, you kind of forget that he was second in the field last week in approach because he just putted so horribly in the final round that he just, and he played the 10th hole just abysmally all week that it took himself out of it. But he was first at Sony, second at Riviera. Like his irons are dialed in. 
And if this is going to be a primary second shot course where you don't need all of the distance in the world, because he doesn't have that, but he's very good off the tee accuracy-wise, that if he can just make a few putts, he's going to be right there. He's going to give himself the opportunity to at least score DraftKings points over anything else. He might not be able to get it up and down. He might make some bogeys, but I feel like he's going to even that out. He'll score better than wherever he places, unless, of course, he finishes first, which would be fine, because I bet him outright as well. But when you have Reed and Simpson... Like, I'm playing into the sort of the Justin Thomas narrative of all of this at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, Laura Callard is, is probably going to end up, now, now that I've just looked at a couple ownership projections, he's probably going to be a, a really good leverage play here. I mean, I think I think Webb is going to be very popular uh, the, the more I think about this. He should be. He should be popular. He, he Webb, be. Sim- no, Webb, Webb Simpson is really good. He's really good. And like, even just comparing the betting odds, like to where he is to most of these guys, I mean, he's smaller than the betting odds than most of the guys above him. So just from that perspective, people are going to see the value there. He's just so consistent. Right. So I think Morikawa though, you know, you, we might get like really like pretty low ownership on him. I mean, maybe sub 10% for a WGC, maybe not sub 10%, but it could be, it is going to be low owned coming off like a, a couple bad weeks. People maybe not just buying into the whole irons are firing. So I like that as a pivot move for sure. Uh, I think it comes down between him and Fleetwood uh, there. If you're going to make a pivot off of, of Webb and, you know, Morikawa, at least we know from the, that we got the, the PGA stats to back us up there. Fleetwood's played a bit this year. Uh, he He's kind of looked a little bit lost though for like uh, six months now. So I don't know. Um, I, I could make a case for him, but uh, Morikawa is probably the safer pivot there and definitely coming in with low ownership. Uh, fantasynational.com slash Mayo if you want access to the full ownership projections. Once again, I'm going to be live on Wednesday noon Eastern time on Mayo Media Network, the YouTube channel. So please go subscribe, jump into the chat. Unless you're a goober, then you can fuck right off. But you can listen to it after the fact on the podcast as well. And I'm doing a new thing where if you do have questions but don't have time to jump into the live chat, you can dump them in the comment section of the video. And then I'll answer them later on at night, probably around like 8 p.m. Eastern time. I'll try to get to whatever is in there. So I'm trying to make it a bit more interactive, Jeff, when it comes down to it. That's where you can really get the ownership projections. And the way that I'm seeing it right now, it's still very early in the week. Very few people have generated lineups so far. So it's a bit right. hit or miss. But everyone is kind of over 10% until you get to the 8K range. Then you have some noticeable guys that no one is using. Fleetwood, who you mentioned, is tops on that list. No one's using Matsuyama. No one's really using Max Homa either. Yeah, Max, I mean, Max Homa, you know, probably just the the whole winner's fade thing. I mean, obviously, you know, taking a step up in class here, you can kind of understand that. I mean, as far as people who can fuck off, I mean, Matt Siama <laughs> can definitely do that for me. I'm, I'm done with Hideki, so um, every, everyone else can play him. I don't really care what his ownership is, to be honest. Uh, I just don't, I just don't even know what's going on with him. So um, I, I would rather play Scotty Scheffler there. The irons are heating up. Uh, even if he gets to be a little bit chalky, you know, he's really consistent off the tee. Um, straight and long. Like I said, he's improved his strokes gain approach now in three straight starts. So I'll take a, a shot with Scotty there. I think Fitzpatrick is interesting, especially if you're if you're going with like the, the narrative you went. He's played well Bay Hill before as well. Um, can get those wedges and putter firing. So if, if the wind stays down, I think there's some value there. But um, I, I'm I'm fine going to either one of those guys over Hideki and, and, and Scheffler would probably be my top play in that region. So for me, it's going to be M by far the top play in the AK range. I also bet him to yeah. win a site that you and I have access to actually has him at 45 to one right now. So, yeah. And, and I look, I love song J too. I mean, if it's in terms of like ranking the top, the, the AK range, he's definitely tops for me. And then it would probably be Scheffler, but uh, yeah, some, some pretty good odds. I mean, look, Sanjay's 
T3 at Bay Hill last year, won his only event at Honda. I mean, the guy likes Bermuda. He likes Florida. He just moved into a new house too, Pat. So he's not a, he's not a hobo anymore. He's not like, you know, going hotel to hotel, living vicariously. He's, he's got a house. So he, he just took two weeks off. Like that's, that's incredible for him. Well, it was the longest the layoff rust in his career. Factor. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the biggest thing. Like Sanjay is going to be rusty. He hasn't played a competitive golf tournament in two weeks here. So who knows what we'll get, but I, I think you're getting really good value. He's improved his off the tee game so much. He's been confident with the putters. So yeah, I, I really like him in that range. I mean, there's a noticeable through line with some of the guys that I'm using too. Like let's not discount the fact that we're back on Bermuda, like real Bermuda for the first time in ages. And, and that's part of the reason why I like Rory too. I mean, he's got, he's got career, his career putting splits on Bermuda, are like plus nine over everything else. So, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a shift. Uh, you got guys like Fitzpatrick have putted the lights out on Bermuda over his career too. So yeah, I, I think you're going to see some names come to life here who, um, who maybe you uh, just didn't see. I mean, I, Hideki is the opposite. He's got terrible putting splits on Bermuda, which means he'll probably gain like 10 strokes putting now that I've said that, but um, you know, it, it's definitely a big change. The only other guy besides him, I could be talked into Fitzpatrick. I just don't, I, I'm playing so few lineups that I just don't think he's, he's going to. up too. Like, he, but that's fine though. I, I don't mind him. I think that he can compete in a field like this and longer. It's sure. almost like Patrick Reed where longer courses don't scare me with him. Like he's just, yep. he's just that kind of player. If it plays, if the winning score is like minus 13, he can win that sort of event because he, he gets better it on longer courses. Yeah. Like, and, and same as Patrick Reed where like, he doesn't bleed strokes away like some of the top end guys do, because if he's like 50 yards from the hole off the green, like he's getting it up and down. Like that's not an issue for him where the only guy I could be talked into after Sung And this is a pure ownership play is that no one seems to be playing Adam Scott. Like he is the lowest owned projected guy I see in this range. And I kind of get it, but I don't know. It's still Adam Scott. He's still pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's won this event uh, before. When last time it was played in Florida, he won actually. Uh, you know, his last two wins outside of Riviera came at, at Honda and um, and Durrell, right? So he's, he's he's won plenty in Florida over his career. Won the players too. So yeah, I'm kind of in agreement. Um, Scott's looked pretty solid at, at times this year. I mean, he, he was right up there at the Farmers two events ago, um, making cuts uh, left and right. Uh, I agree. You know, like from an ownership perspective, I know I, I definitely still prefer Scheffler, but for, you know, if, if Scott's coming in like really low owned to the end of the week, I'll, I'll play him absolutely in this range too. Um, you know, Neiman Zaltoris definitely gets some ownership. I mean, you like the TD green that's going with on with Zaltoris. I get it. Maybe, maybe for a cash game player or whatever, but Adam Scott, absolutely, man. Um, I, I agree. I, I put him up there in like my, my bag of plays that I'd want exposure to for GPPs. Yeah, so maybe I'll expand to five lineups so I can get some Adam Scott action in there as well because the lineups I currently have constructed do not have him in it uh, out of the three because got the hard choices to make. And speaking of that, we get to the 7K range and I got no one until I got Mark Leishman at 7400 bucks. Oh, okay. That's, that's fair. Um, I'll probably play Jason Day. Um, you know, the approaches were were, were were piling up a little bit or, or just improving a little bit at, at Phoenix. Uh, the round the green and putting was was good at Pebble. Um, you know, he's he's multiple time winner in Florida as well. Uh, if if we if we like this, you know, that it's going to be a hard scrambling week at small greens. I mean, he can definitely get around if, if it's going to be a tough scoring week. So I'll have some exposure. It's Jason Day, so it's, it always comes with risk. But um, I, I think for betting too, you know, I, he he's just getting himself in contention. Not every week, but but more times than not at at, the, at this point. You know, obviously last year he had a couple like close calls. So I think seventy eight hundred. Uh, I'm okay playing him, kind of like the Adam Scott play, uh, a little bit. So I don't mind that. 
what's your thoughts on Matt Wolf this week? He, like just completely. Out. Yeah, I, it's not that I like I'm out because I don't think that he's going to play well. It's just I, I don't like the price. I like other players better, and he doesn't fit with yeah. really what I'm going for this week. So I'll take a pass on him. Rose would be the one that would have the most interest to me, but I don't think that I can get him in. English is just, frankly, going to be way too popular. And I don't think that he is yeah. distinctively different than anyone else in that range. Like, you could probably play Sergio at one-fourth the ownership. Not that I'm playing Sergio, but I think that's pretty comparable at a course like this. Leishman, just in general, I like. I like him in Florida. I like him on Bermuda, and I like what he's been doing lately. It's not, It hasn't been great but the irons have been great in every single event in 2021 and it's been two consecutive weeks where he's putted well too that if those are the two things that i want you to do with this course give me some mark leishman and he's cheap too right like he's cheaper than all these guys so it doesn't yeah it doesn't look like he's gonna come in crazy owned or anything it doesn't look like he's gonna be super popular like you said everyone should pile into to english i mean that like obviously a solid play at this price but yeah um you know you I, I might sprinkle Matt Wolf just because he's like 90 or 100 to one at this point, but I think I'll probably just avoid him. Um, it doesn't seem to have great control of his T-ball right now. It can turn on a dime. That's, it's always scary fading him when, when you get these kind of prices. But um, I, I, I think I'm pretty much in agreement. You know, I'm talking up Day and Rose a little bit, but Leishman's cheaper than both these guys. And if he's not playing better, he's playing just as good and he's got just as much upside. So definitely see the value there. Um, you know, and, and realistically, like after him, you're, you're going down kind of a notch and range to like the 7,200 anyways. So Leishman looks like good value, good pivot anyways, off of English for sure. And I like Ryan Palmer a lot. I'm not alone in that. And it, it, it tears me apart yeah. inside a little bit only because there's so much water on this course. And we know what happens to Ryan Palmer every few events when there's a bit too much water around. It's like playing EVR this week that it's like, oh, God, he's going to end up in the middle of that lake. I can just see it. But he's been playing so good. He seems so cheap compared to where he's at in the world rankings, what his betting odds are. He's like 55 to 1. He's 7,200 bucks on DraftKings. Like, that's kind of nuts. He's going to be exceptionally popular. And cheap chalk in a WGC is never great, but... I don't love a lot of the other alternatives down there. I like him a lot. Like, I like him more than Answer and Kisner and Horschel and Sebez and Kokrak and Lowry and Ortiz and all those guys. Like, he was the one that I came to first. It's hard to make an argument for any of these guys over him, really. I mean, um, outside of ownership, right? I mean, if you're if you're playing anyone else than Ryan Palmer in this range, it's because of ownership, uh, realistically. Um Lowry, I don't even like, okay, he's played over in Dubai a couple nice starts, but um, uh, let's just talk about it from a pivot standpoint, because realistically, you should probably just be playing Ryan Palmer. But from a pivot standpoint, again, you know, you, you want the lower ownership, or you're just looking for uh, to, to get a, a little bit of a, you know, a, get, get your lineup down in, in terms of total ownership. Um, lots of names that, that could potentially be uh, be pivots. I like Bizet Nude, I'm not going to lie. Um, dude's, dude sort of picked it up a little bit. His ball striking is a little bit better over in the Euro Tour stats. Uh, won twice then last year. Played over in Florida here last year. Bay Hill was in contention. So I'll take a shot with him. But again, it's it's a pure ownership thing. Um, I, I think the guy's really talented, and I think he can like top 10 or or something in this field. But Palmer, Palmer is just too cheap. So um, it, it's not really like a pure... You know, he, he's projected to be better, or I think these guys are equal. 
it's kind of just, you know, I'm taking the lower ownership. I'm taking a shot with a, 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 more, a talented player in, in big GBPs. I, I like Cbez fine. Uh, he's currently 10th on the European Tour through three events in strokes gained approach. And again, he can get it up and down. He can make some putts. He's just a very yeah. bad driver of the ball. But, you know, if he can just hit some fairways here and dial in with his irons, I think he should be fine. I don't mind him in the slightest at 7,200. I don't think that, especially when thinking about how to construct lineups for a no-cut event like this, that... I don't think you necessarily have to pivot off of Ryan Palmer into someone in this range. You can just construct your lineups differently and just use no one from this range if you don't like it. Like, the guy that no one's using is Bobby Mack because he's a bit expensive uh, versus, I think, where, like, the relative value in our minds rests with him, even in terms of the betting odds. But I I don't really know what to make of him at this event. Like, I think I just... If no one's going to use Leishman, I'll just use Leishman. I'm going to use Leishman either way, but if he's going to be lower owned. And I'm going to use Palmer as well. Like, those are the... That's what I'm, I I don't want to talk myself out of a good play because everyone also realizes he's a good play. Uh, And you can play Palmer. Like if you, you can play Palmer and Bezatenhout, right? Like, I mean, you can make lineups like that too. You can go with a a really low and pivot it and then stuff Ryan Palmer in there as well. Or like you said, you don't even have to pivot to this range. So yeah, there's, there's plenty of ways to go about it. You You definitely don't need to fade him just for for the ownership there's ways you can do it but again if it comes down to it and and you 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 know you're constructing lineups in a certain way and you you know you you've got too much ryan palmer uh would probably be the guy i'd choose for for a pivot in that range but you know completely right ryan palmer's a really good play this week you don't need to fade him um you, you can you can definitely you know use other players along with them in this range so that's more or less why i wanted to leave two three hundred bucks on the table because then i don't care about if he's 16 percent owned then exactly. it's not it doesn't make a difference to me because no one's probably going to have my lineups anyway 6k guys once again like i mentioned tom and sky are going to be breaking down all of the european tour players on daily fantasy sports picks and bets the mix where i'll also have my one and done up you can find the link to that podcast subscription down there rate and review it while you're at it like you should rate and review the pat mayo experience it's also just gonna be up in video form on the pat mayo experience on the mayo media network sorry youtube channel as well so subscribe to that you can check it out on tuesday night and just there's a lot of european tour players in this 6k range that's why i bring it up uh the only two players that i've used so far in lineups from down here are woodland and Mackenzie hughes the only other ones i really have interest in are lipsky and Hogard, those would be my other two. If I had to, if I made a few more lineups, those guys would probably seep into it. Just because Lipsky, I don't know I've seen him top five at decent events. He's really good with his wedges. He can score. Can he make a putt? I mean, that's to be debated. And Hogard, like he could be the best iron player in this field if it's like the right week. Yeah, absolutely. Lipsky's interesting. I think he actually played in Florida last week too on the on the Corn Ferry Tour. So yeah, he was twenty um, third, yeah twenty fourth. Now that was in Orange County. Ca- that was in Orange County. Oh. Yeah, which is how did he get into this event? Is my question. I don't or- know. Orange County National Championship presented by Night Thirty Three, and that was in Florida. Weird. Uh, anyway, now that's a that's a tournament that he played that Trey Mullenix ended up winning. Okay, when was this tournament? This was last week, you say. I thought it was last week. Maybe not. I don't know. I have this from the end of the year that he was playing Corn Ferry events. Maybe he did play. Now I have to go look up Lipsky. Lipsky, official. They played in Florida last week on the Corn Ferry Tour. I, I thought Lipsky was in it, but I could be wrong about that. 
yes, he was in the field last week, and he was T23. Okay. So, so far in 2021, uh, the reason he's in this event, because they're taking the race to Dubai standings from the European Tour this year, as well as the final run last year of who qualifies. Right. Okay. And, he, and he was T5 in Abu Dhabi. So I think that he's inside the top 10 of the race to Dubai. So I think that's how he ends up getting in. But his past four starts... T5 in Abu Dhabi, T35 in Dubai, missed the cut in Saudi and was T23 last week going over to the Corn Ferry Tour from Europe. So at least he's over there. He's familiar on Bermuda, but he's just a really good wedge player. Makes some putts and, I mean, put it this way, he's not expensive. He makes a lot of lineups work. If if the course doesn't play tough, like that tough, definitely Lipsky can, can make some birdies out there for you. So I agree. Like, I look at the 6K range. That is definitely the name that kind of stuck out to me. I know we talked about it a little bit, tiny bit earlier in the week. But, um, you know, Valimaki is, is probably a better talent, but he's playing terribly. Van Ruin, I don't know. I, I guess he could take a shot with Van Ruin or something, but I, I, don't, I don't really want to. Uh, he's not playing well either right now, it looks like. He can get it going, though. If he gets it going, he, he could be a monster play down there. So I guess Van Ruin you could consider. But then it, it's kind of, you know, going up to 6,400. Like you said, Hughes, Kucher, Todd, Champ, um, I think Hughes is fine. Yeah, absolutely. You know, between it would be between him or Todd because really, realistically, you're just looking for a hot putting week from one of those dudes, and they can get it done. Absolutely. Um, if, if scrambling and stuff and 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 you know getting up and down is going to be big, Brendan Todd or Mackenzie Hughes, if if they if they just have a good week around the greens with the putter, they can they're going to be end up outscoring a lot of the guys in front of them. So I think I think Hughes and Todd down there uh, definitely would be in play. I, I think they're fine pivots. Cameron Champ, very tempting going to be very tempting this week to, for me to lay off Cameron Champ. Um, no cut event. You're guaranteed four rounds. A couple of Eagles, you know, probably gets it done, but um, he's, he's playing pretty terrible. So like I said, I, I'm probably going to end up playing Hogard. He's in my mind, he's really good. <laughs> not, not that I have you know, the, the greatest sample with Rasmus Hogard. However, he's kind of like the Danish Siwoo Kim is the way I would describe yeah. him. Like he gets so insanely hot. And like even so far this year, he has back-to-back top tens in Dubai and Saudi. Uh, he was T25 before that. Has he played in? He missed the cut at the U.S. Open. And that's sort of like the only U.S. experience that he has. But I mean, this is a guy that won on the European Tour last year. He had a second-place finish, a third-place finish. He won twice. And he won the year before that uh, on the like mix between like the European and South African like sun- Sunshine Tour stuff. He's a young guy. He's Danish, but like he can get locked in. Remember how much we loved uh, the hell was his name before he disappeared off the face of the earth? The other Danish guy, not Olsen. Oh, uh, the one who Beargard. beat. Yeah, the one who beat Tiger. Uh, Beargard. Yeah. Uh, in the match play but he has those vibes to me where it's like oh there's a seven hole stretch oh he's eight under par it's like what is going on here who is this guy so i feel like that's a sort of 6k guy that i want on my DraftKings line he might be awful in this field but i do know that he can make birdies no i i i think i agree look i mean tom lewis came in t2 in the last wgc so a guy like like hogard or or even a guy like I brought up, like Bazayden, who can they? These guys can get it done, man. If they get hot with their irons, I mean, uh, I, I think he's a good play in that range too. I mean, um, you know, Wiesberger is, is interesting too for similar reasons. But I look at this range too. Kevin Nye is, is to me a little bit too risky, just because it's a WGC and like he might just like you know he <laughs> might pull a tournament of champions where he just decides to take a vacay, collect a check. Munoz, I don't really love playing in Florida. 
I, I think he's, I think he's okay. He played well last week. He's a really good DraftKings score, but, and then Cameron champs risky, like the, the best player, the guy who's playing the best right now in this range objectively is Hogard. So I I'm, I'm kind of with you there. Um, I, I think he's a guy I, I, you know, if you're dipping down here, even for like a single entry, I, I think it's okay. I really do. And I, I'm sure, uh, like you said, Sky will have better thoughts on it than, than me. Uh, but um, he's a really solid player. I, I think we know that by now he can compete. And uh, it's just a matter of, is he, is he there experience wise at this point? He did finish T37 at Bermuda championship last year. So he's played a couple U S events. I mean, oh, I wasn't in the U S but you get my point. Um, I don't mind it. I think between him, it, it might even be between like him and Wiesberger down here. Although I think most people play Lanto, but um yeah, Hogard definitely interesting. Chalk plays right now the way it's shaping up from down in this range. Lonto, EVR are the two that really stick out in terms of ownership. Yeah. Like I said, I like Woodland and I like Mackenzie Hughes. Mackenzie Hughes on Bermuda and Nicholas course. Just dial in yeah. some 80-foot putts and you're all good to go with him. <laughs> and with Woodland, like Woodland was fourth in the field in driving last week. He only played two rounds because he putted so poorly. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's the story for a lot of people. That was the story for Rory last week. It's a story for JT last week too. Although, you know, Woodland probably hit it better than those guys. So maybe I shouldn't discount Gary. I'm just kind of the opinion. There's something going on with him. I just feel like there's something like, I know he had some, some weird injury stuff. Like it was never really like fully disclosed, but I just feel like there's still some, maybe a swing change or something. I don't know, but um, it, it does feel like he, he's another player kind of like champ where it's just going to go or wolf. Like we're going to go from like zero to a hundred here, you know, like, like a, a miscut to like a T4 or T2. So it's not a bad chance uh, idea to take a chance with, with Gary Woodland here at 6,800. You're getting the right price. All right. That will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. WGC Workday DraftKings. Picks and preview. My cheat sheet will be up on DKNation.com a little bit later on Tuesday evening. Wednesday on FTNDaily.com. My pivot plays will be up. You can catch me in Golf Digest this week. My live chat is tomorrow. You can go back and check out yesterday's show full of sad Jeff Feinberg because Tony Finau lost after he was Andrew Curse. What do you got going on this week? Uh, this week got, uh, yo, just give me a follow on the, the Twitter machine at the fantasy grind, but, uh, you know, doing NHL stuff for awesome and, and DraftKings, and you can check that out too. Got the betting preview up on Tuesday, uh, from livemovement.com. So you can check that out and, uh, you know, just doing stuff for DraftKings. Got the, uh, the dream stream going there as, as they, uh, as they tend to do it. If you like the Madden Sims, got the golf stuff up on the DK nation. So lots of stuff. People, like I said, at the fantasy grind, you figure out all the good stuff. And and Pat, I mean, you can talk about this Puerto Rico event at all or what? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the PRO. Uh, I built a lineup for it. So did I. It's terrible. Yeah. I, I used Grio. I used Grio in my – I bet right. I bet two guys to win the Puerto Rico Open. One was Justin So I missed my 40. I had to bet him at 35. And the other one was this yeah. guy that the uh, the Fantasy National simulator spit out to me, Paul Barjon. He might be Canadian for all I know. I think – I think he's French. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know if his name is actually Paul Barjon. It could be like Paul Bergen. Like if he's yeah. American, they like they have no concept of nuance of accents and how things are actually yeah. pronounced. So I mean, like Guy Herbert. Yeah, Guy Herbert. Why don't you come to the foyer of my house? Oh, okay. <laughs> nice, nice use yeah, of the language I'm, there. <laughs> I'm using uh, Lewis and, and Schneider Jans for my draft games uh, lineup. No shock there, but I also bet Sue, a really talented player, bet Will Gordon as well, and uh, sprinkled a couple of vets, Uline and Castro. So that's my that's my uh, P P R O hot takes. Uh, Paul Barjon from France. So yeah, he is from France. Yeah. There we there we are. Right. Uh, let's see Puerto Rico Open DraftKings field. So yeah, Barjon. 
I'm probably going to use, I, I'm basically just picking these straight off like narratives. I'm going to fade like the very, very top end with like Peters and Wallace. Feels like this is more of a yeah. tune-up for them for the bigger events Definitely. that are upcoming. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Poulter's in play, Grace is in play, because this place can get super dicey in terms of weather. But I'll just take Grio. Plays well at this course, playing well coming in. He's like 10-6. Other than that, um, who was the other like random dude that I played? Fuck. Lee Hodges. Just his DraftKings price versus the odds seemed really off. I'll use Aaron Badley because he enjoys playing the alternative events. Yeah, Badley's a great. He loves these ones. He just comes to he won, wins one of these every three years, and then he just renews his tour membership, and he's good to go for a few years. Yeah, where's Troy? Oh, Troy Merritt isn't playing. He's always one of the other ones that you want to get in these like stupid crossover events. So yeah, I'm just kind of playing it by ear with the PRO. I think I put in like eighty bucks worth of entries, and I had the two bets on Barjan and Soon. That that's the way I'm rolling. It's a really the, the events like the last like 10 years, it's either like a really big name, like a, like a Justin Sue breaks through or like a Hovland or Finau, or it's like a DA points. <laughs> and so I, I'm just going like big or, or small. I mean, I, I sprinkled a couple bets on, on, like I said, Castro as well. And, and veterans like that, who maybe just like get hot for a week and something crazy happens. But I like, I like Sue and Will Gordon too. Uh, I think those are young players who could potentially break through here. So it's a fun event. It's a good event to, to waste money on. So, Oh, for sure. Uh, the best players in this field over the past five years, in terms of total strokes gains, Scott Brown, Badley, Grio, Tim Wilkinson, and the Teets, Josh Teeter. Yeah, Teeter had the – he was really close last year. That was actually kind of rough for him. Barjan's 125 to 1. Hey, I might have to hit that up too. Yeah, it turns out he's not good as I – the more I looked into him. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Maybe I won't bet him that. He has um, – he has – I think he has a win on the Corn Ferry Tour. It might have been on the McKenzie Tour. Also, he t- he played like really well at these like San Antonio courses on the Corn Ferry Tour, which tend to be like super windy. And this course can get super windy, being a coastal course. Yeah, let's see. He came second at the Winco Foods. All right, last August, second at San Antonio, third in San Antonio, second in Mexico. So we had four top three finishes on the Corn Ferry Tour in like fourteen starts last year. That's not bad. No, I yeah, he has. He has won something like some kind of corn fairy event or something. Michael Kim is another name. Gotta, like the, like the, Michael like the, the like Michael cuts. Kim. Yeah. Michael Kim. He's made two cuts, Pat. He's rolling. He's on, he's on a roll, man. His ball striking was actually pretty good. I I'm serious. Like 200 to one, whatever. Like who else are you going to bet at 200 to one? Chris couch. Oh, Chris, Johnson, fuck Chris, Chris, fuck your couch. Here we go. <laughs> uh, oh, in his one PGA start, Paul Barjan was, 20th at the Canadian Open in 2019. That's pretty solid, actually. All right, maybe I will bet him. I think that was I am the, betting Michael Kim. I think that was the Rory one in Hamilton. Because there, no, there, there was no Canadian Open last year. Yeah, that, a lot of that was like round four stuff. I think he shot like 60. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, we haven't seen one of those Rory rounds in a while. Actually, his, no, final, this, his final round in Phoenix was like super low. He was yeah, just, that's... Uh, He's, he's been all over the place. Like he was, that's, you know, I thought it might happen for him last week. He was so good at the, the final round at the, the waist open 64. You think maybe it'll come through, but maybe we'll just get a, a delayed Rory. So. All right. That will do it on the Pat Mayo experience. Go Paul Barjan or my Justin Thomas, Phil Mickelson, Justin Sir triple. That would be nice. <laughs> Is that the move for this week? Like, whatever you think about playing on DraftKings, whatever you're thinking about betting it, just bet it on Phil plus 350 to win on the Champions Tour. Yeah, uh, just triple it. I mean, like you said, you know, take take uh, 
take Sue and, and whoever you like, like you like Barjan and I'll take Michael Kim and, and do two, two parlays with, you know, or triple parlays with, with Phil and whoever you like uh, at the top at uh, the WGC and then you just retire after. Let's see, David Lipsky, five and a half to one top 20 finish. I might have to be in on that. I might have to put my money where my mouth is with old Lipsky. Give him the lip, the fat lip to my bank account. David Lipsky, let's go, pal. All right, that will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. Smash the like, give me your favorite sleeper, and you know all the good stuff. Become a member at fantasynational.com today. Fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself said discount. I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience! Experience!